and welcome to this week's edition of This Woman Can. My guest this week is Tanya Davis. And Tanya is a life coach who is passionate about empowering women who are juggling both a career and single motherhood. As a single mom and a career professional, Tanya knows firsthand the struggles that come with balancing work and home life. With her education in communications and change management, Tanya helped local and state governments improve their communication and better serve their communities. But it wasn't until she applied the principles of change management to her own life that she discovered the power in helping her cope with the challenges of being a single mother while pursuing her career. Tanya used these skills to navigate the grief of single motherhood and embrace the change in her life. Successfully balancing her role as a professional and a mother, she then started domestic violence ministry to help women in need, providing them with tools to leave abusive situations. After witnessing the transformational impact of these skills, Tanya decided to use her expertise to coach other single career moms. By applying change management principles, she helps these women gain confidence in balancing their professional and personal responsibilities and motivates them to pursue their goals with enthusiasm. Tanya's unique approach to coaching led her to develop the Butterfly Rising Method, which she uses today to help support single professional mothers seeking transformational change. So Tanya, welcome to This Woman Can. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm just really excited to be here. Excited what? and nervous, right? <laughs> well, I'll be gentle with you. So don't worry about the nervousness. And I'm excited <laughs> to have you here. Some of the things you read in your bio really rang true for me, having been a professional single mom, um, albeit a few years ago. Um, but yes, it's, it's some of those things, I think it's, We'll talk about it, but maybe it's challenged. To th- it's, it's it's disheartening to hear that some of the same challenges that I faced maybe thirty odd years ago are still there for professional single moms. But before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today, Tanya. So a bit about my journey is I became uh, I became pregnant at the age of twenty one during my senior year of college. And I had a great projection to have this fabulous career. I always pictured myself in the C-suite, you know, 38th, 40th floor downtown. Uh, But, you know, there were other plans. And so I became pregnant my senior year after finishing uh, two, basically two internships at at an auditing firm, at a, a public accounting firm. And it was during this time where I had to make the decision in regards to uh, really, do I want to uh, have this big dream, really move forward fast in this Mm -hmm. big dream of having a career, or do I want to transition and figure out a way to have both a career and my child? So of course I chose the latter and realized (laughs) that, wow, it's it's pretty difficult uh, to be a young a uh, 20 year old in a public accounting firm where no one looks like you. Yes. And so, yes. yeah, so it was in these uh, boardrooms where, uh, you know, you're, you're treated, <laughs> you're not treated as though you really have the intelligence that you have, but more so of the help, 
right? Mm-hmm. Or um, not being equal to because I didn't have the same situation at home, you know, yeah. of having uh, a husband or mm-hmm. uh, me being at home and uh, cooking my husband's meals, you know, packing his lunch <laughs> and all that and getting to where he needs to go. Yeah. And so really, you know, fast forward a few years, I realized that that just wasn't the right situation for me. Um, oftentimes I was really still trying to make ends meet. I I had a great salary, but I was still trying to make ends meet, uh, with my son. And what did that mean is that I had to work. I had to drop my son off at 6am. And then also I had to pick him up around 7pm and Mm -hmm. have kind of that rotate. It takes, it takes a village, right? And so have that rotational tribe of people coming and picking him up and I'll go to different houses, but really what, dawned on me is that, you know, is it really important to have that um, high profile career? Mm -hmm. Or is it more important for me to pour into my son? And so I chose to pour into my son and transition basically to government, uh, which I believe was more rewarding in regards to really being able to see the impact that you're having on your community and being able to to take take risks, take a change, or Mm -hmm. being able to take a risk and implement change uh, on a scale where you can see the impact. So it wasn't as much in regards to focusing in on the profit, right? Um, Are we getting our revenue in? Um, Are we charging you correctly? You know, Uh, what is my rate? No, it was really about how can I improve. I started in Department of Transportation. So I was like, how can I improve these highways? You know, and it was like I was part of this like gruff group and uh, really getting in there uh, with the guys. But I was in auditing. So I wasn't really out there in the streets uh, like they were. (laughs) But I felt like I was right. Um, And then eventually it was at the Department of Transportation where I really realized that I have a a niche for uh, problem solving, Mm -hmm. Uh, being able and I think that's attributed to my background in auditing, but it was really there where I was just like, uh, you know, government. So I love being in the government, right? But we hold on to a lot of processes, right? (laughs) So a a process could have been created in 1972 and we're still holding on to it in 2002, you know, uh, to where we we don't know how to effectively communicate that this may not be the best way to do it. And so really being able to get a group of people together to navigate change and to be able to use uh, lean principles, Six Sigma, uh, anything that you could think of to be able to navigate them through that, I realized that that was truly my passion uh, and being able to effectively communicate uh, and learning to be able to, to do that. And so really that's been my my career um, is in government. And now I work at a, a wonderful airport uh, that helps uh, small businesses to be historically underutilized businesses to be able to enter in uh, to the airport and understand how to navigate the airport. And that's a training program uh, that I was able to create once again with a group of people, just taking the yeah. vision yeah. of leadership and then uh, bringing a group of together people together, strangers, total strangers to, to develop it. So that's kind of been my uh, career journey. And then also, um, I'm also, you talked a bit about my ministry, my ministry yes. work that started 
Butterfly Rising Institute actually started in my church for Instill I Arise, a partnership against domestic violence, uh, where I also implemented those change management principles. Now, these were all new to me. And I was like, oh, let me try it out here. <laughs> let me get an A3. Let me try to navigate the woman through the change in regards to yeah. what's going on. How can they understand it? Uh, what is it? What is the grief that we're going through with this change? And how can we be able to lead it to something better? Fabulous, fabulous. Now, I want to touch on Butterfly Rising a little bit, because as you know, I work with, mainly with women, um, mature women, 40s, 50s. So how would what you do support them in making those changes or navigating their careers or whatever their change, their change transition is? Yeah, so Butterfly is actually an acronym. So it's a process in which they work through. So we focus in on that first half of really the, the butterfly goes through four cycles, right? So mm -hmm. that first cycle is the egg. So mm -hmm. it's really focusing in on what is it that I need to deal with now? You know, um, oftentimes as women, um, we feel like we just got to save the world in one day. Right. <laughs> we just a cape on. <laughs> right. Put our cape on. We're out there. We're ready. We're going to do this. Yeah. Um, but it's really being able to say, okay, what's in my inventory of situations mm -hmm. that I'm dealing with right now? And what can I focus in on to be able to make better? And mm -hmm. so, really, what I focus in on is making change one step at a time. And so for that first uh, B, so B is becoming, right? So what is it that the woman wants to become? What mm. is it that she wants to see in her future? So after we take this inventory, after we take that one situation, what is it that you want to be able to become in it? So mm. we work through that uh, becoming, looking at your future state. And then once we are able to see what your future state is, we develop a plan, a plan to be able to get from becoming to actually being able to do it. But really what's unique about Butterfly Rising Institute is that we give the opportunity to test Right. I said I have an auditing background. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yes. so in auditing, that's what we did. Right. My first year of auditing, I always had to do inventory. Right. Yeah. So I used to go to these big warehouses, count all the products and uh, make sure that they tie back to their balance sheet. Right. But it's the same principles for us as individuals. Let's take our inventory. Let's go ahead and do the steps, the actions to make sure that it's accurate and that there will actually be a change in the needle in which we're trying to get to. So really, that is what we uh, focus in on at uh, Butterfly, because that T, uh, as I skip through the letters, but the T is really transformation. Right. We are right. creating the plan where we are diving in, being able to move through it. And yeah. then um, as we go through the plan, we start to understand really what is it that may be toxic that's mm -hmm. not helping us. So as I went through this and I'm able to see possibly, um, you know, uh, Sheila, I'm just making up a name. Yeah. Name yeah. Sheila's not there. I'm sorry. But maybe Sheila is not helping me to be able to move forward. So how do I deal with Sheila? Does mm. she really belong in this true vine, which is my body, my mind and my soul, you know, and then uh, being able to embrace who you are, which is the E and yes. then. Yeah. And then the R is reflection, being able to reflect. And then fly is really being able to celebrate. It's yeah. important to be able to celebrate whatever yeah. the change may be. 
Yeah, fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. So you've been through some career changes. You've been through some yeah. career tra- for career transitions. What did you fear most about going about facing that or going through that process, Tanya? I think the biggest fear really was just the fear would have been not doing it or right. not trying it out. Yeah. You know, um, oftentimes I probably, I have an analytical mind, right? So I will, <laughs> I will say no more, but carry on. <laughs> I, I will talk myself out of any situation. You know, it took um, me to build BRI and actually go out and, and do it probably mm. about two years because mm. it was, in my brain in regards to, well, how will people perceive me? You know, am I confident enough to really be able to step out there and be the face? You know, Um, I don't like cameras too much, right? But I realize in this space that I need to do it. And so this transitional point that I'm going through right now, the fear would have been there's too many women left behind, Mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I see myself where when I was 22 and going through my career, I'm still in my career, but as I was beginning my career, there weren't many resources for women who look like me or who Absolutely. were in my position. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. As I tried to get, um, as I tried to get help, a lot of doors were closed mm-hmm. because I didn't fit, uh, I fit here, right? In the middle. Yeah. I didn't yeah. fit below and I didn't fit above but Mm -hmm. I still needed help and you don't Mm -hmm. know how many people told me no you're fine you don't you don't really need help and so I think um I think that would have that that was the biggest fear is that you know I I believe that there's so many different women to help and if I did not take the risk or the chance then I believe that many people would have been left behind Right, right. Yeah, I hear I hear that. So what would have been the most difficult part of doing that then? And, and what would have made it easier, do you think? Oh, I think taking my mind out of it. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's great. I mean, you, you, taking your mind out and, you, and you, you obviously did because you you're doing it. Yes. So yeah. just just describe for us or describe for us what that process was, how you overcame that. Because don't get me wrong, I deal with a lot of women who have these have who have these mental thoughts and these things running through their head. I call them the in I call them the inner mean girl. I have one. So, <laughs> yeah. so so how did how did you manage 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 that with my process testing? Yeah. Right. So I would dip my toe a little bit in regards mm. to um, how how do I simply write, you know, I work with businesses every day. I've been working with businesses yeah. for the past seven years, but really stepping into this was different mm. in regards to how do you do the messaging? So I would write out the message and then I would test it out. Does this mm. message resonate with people? Does it not? Okay, tell me what's wrong, you know? Mm. Um, I talk a lot about shattered glass, shattering that glass of thinking that everything needs to be perfect yes. and understanding that it's okay to take risk. Now mm. it doesn't have to be a huge risk, but small risk, understanding that, oh, I'm still here. Yes. I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. 
the sky didn't fall, you yeah. know, yeah. and understanding that it's okay to take those, those small incremental steps to deal with the mean girls, right? Yes. Yes. Where yes. there's always that moment in time where you're dealing with the, when you're dealing with those mean thoughts or just even toxic people where mm-hmm. you stand up to them that one time, mm-hmm. you know, and you feel good. You feel confident <laughs> because you did it, you know, you did it. And so I believe that's how you get out of your head is in regards to ju- just doing it, just mm-hmm. doing it, understanding that it will not be perfect. Put that in your head. It yeah. will not be perfect. But I understand that there's a process to be able to change it along the way yes. to where it can get there. Yeah, yeah. And I always, I, I always tell people that I have a bit of a MacGyver mindset because like you, I'm a problem solve. I like to problem solve. And it may not always be pretty, but I yes. always work on what the end goal is. It right. I didn't ask for it to be perfect and pretty. I asked for it to solve a problem. Yep. And sometimes we have to we have to focus on what the end goal is, as opposed to how we think people perceive it, what it looks like and stuff like that. I'm just focused on what I needed to get what I need to get done. Yeah. The means to the end. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What did I have to go through? Yeah. So, Tanya, share with us um, one of the biggest challenges, uh, one of your biggest challenges, how, how you overcame it and the lessons you learned from it. I think the biggest challenge that I've overcome is really in twofold, right? Is one really making the decision to uh, step back uh, in regards to wanting to uh, be that mom. And then also fast forward being an empty nester now, Uh, believe it or not, that was a change, <laughs> you know? Um, and so my, my son, he's off to college. He's, he's uh third year now, but, yeah. uh, that first year he went off to college, it was COVID. Yeah. And so uh, I was an empty nester and not, I'm used to just driving him around, you know, he has to go mm. here. He has to go there. I'm talking yeah. to different teachers, you know, the daily routine, And so just having the silence during COVID, him being off to college, Mm -hmm. that was a little bit of a challenge in regards to, okay, what's next? What is it that I need to do now? You know, um, I'm having fun in my career, but is it really feeding me? Am I getting that same excitement that I got the first time? that I went into government and serving people. And and I love what I, what I do now, but I felt like there just needed to be a little bit more in regards to really wanting to, to reach out Mm -hmm. and uh, help other women who are in this uh, position. And then also um, (laughs) the daily challenge, right? I don't know how to phrase this, but the daily challenge, right? Of just being a black woman, (laughs) you know, Um, uh, a black woman in a career uh, oftentimes where people may not look like you or they may not be able to relate to you because there's different uh, different cultures, yes. uh, different languages that we use. Um, and even not even that, but oftentimes when we talk about like diversity, equity and inclusion, we think of diversity as just skin color, but really diversity is just so much more uh, that we may not even consider or think about. I mean, there's a lot more research coming out now, but really just being able to effectively um, understand 
uh, different people, their ways of communication, and how to deal with uh, toxic toxicity at the workplace yeah. um, was probably my my largest challenge. I'm out of that situation, but really dealing with with that as well. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for sharing. And I just want to touch back to the empty nest, the empty nesting, yeah. um, because. Um, my experience was a little different. My, we, we both had children the same age. My first, I had my first son at 21 and another one further, further down. And I'm a little older. Um, so I actually, I think my, with my last son, I actually, I got to say I left home because I actually moved countries just as he was starting university um, because I got a new job. So there was a whole, so I didn't really, and as much I did not much have the empty nesting, but I did have the guilt when I went back to see him at you, when I went back, I came back and you know, I had the tears in the car park and all that, all that, all that kind of thing. So how do you, and, and there's a lot of women I work with who are, this is the probably the time they're looking at, oh, I don't have the children anymore. I don't yeah. have and there's, you know, what, 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 what do I do? And yeah. me, I am now the center of my universe, not so much the children. So how did you navigate that empty nesting, the first steps to being an empty nester? You, so I tell people, I, I, I filled the void, but I probably filled it too fast, right? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's too silent here. I need to do something, right? Uh, and so that's really how I was able to navigate it is that I, what I, let me, okay, I'm trying to find my words, but I believe what the way that I did should not have been the way that I did it. Right. I uh, should okay. really embrace the silence. I should have embraced the opportunity to be able to sit, think, really reflect on what is it that I want to, to strategize and be able to do uh, next, you know, but on the flip side of that, I can't say it was all wrong because during that time, that was the birth of Butterfly Rising Institute. That's mm -hmm. where I started to really think, okay, I, I want to do this. I want to be able to be an entrepreneur. I want to be able to help other women. How do I do this? How do I use my skill sets to really build something uh, that's that's fruitful for, for other women? Mm -hmm. um, it was it was that reflection time, especially during COVID that I was able to, to see that, um, that, that was what my next move would be. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And during COVID, you don't really have much time to really fill it, but for some reason I did, I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was I was running, I was watching TV, you know what I mean? I yeah, was just yeah, doing, yeah. doing a lot. But that empty nester, it's it's real. It's yeah, real. Yeah. I I would say I'd say give yourself some grace. Yeah. Because it's not until it's not until it actually happens do we know what it's going to be like. And I think it's different for every woman. So yeah. give yourself give yourself some grace. You probably did it the right way. You think it's the wrong way, but but it's the right way for you. You know? Yes, that's so, true. So, you know, so I, I, yeah, yeah, and you're through the other side. I, it's, it's just how we have to look, how we look at it. I think, and just accepting the next, it's a next stage. It's, yeah. it's a definitely a next stage. And as you said, what are the, what are the opportunities? So, so Tanya, what, what? Sorry, how has failure play made a positive difference in your life? I say fail forward, right? We've heard, yeah. we've heard that several times yes. yeah. um, in regards to fail forward. I embrace failure. Now, do I like it? No. 
but I understand that it needs to happen in order for me to learn from the experience. Um, Also, the positivity in failure is really being able to take accountability in that failure. Um, I think at times we may we may try to blame the other person, but not see how we played into that yes. conflict. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that was my whole master's was, was really conflict and conflict management. Um, and it was there in regards to really seeing what role, uh, you know, I'm not innocent in every situation, mm-hmm. every failure that I have, every problem that I have, I can't say that I'm a hundred percent innocent in it. Yeah. Now, some situations, yes, 100% innocent, yeah. but I can say in about 80%, right. I probably played a role in that to where maybe I didn't, uh, communicate, uh, to the best of my ability, or, uh, maybe I had a delay and didn't realize I was in a de- delayed situation, you know? Um, so I always say fell forward, make sure that you learn from whatever that failure was, see what it is that you can change within you. Cause all you can mm-hmm. control is you. Yes. And yes, being very able true. to, to move forward, uh, with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's great advice there. And if you had to start over from scratch, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? You know, I, I went back and forth on this question. I don't know if I would change my story. You know, um, my story has many trials, tribulations, but I learn from those. Mm. So if I were to redo my story, I can guarantee there would be different mistakes. Yes. You know, there would be different failures. There would be different times where I've slipped up. And so uh, the lesson would be different. I think Mm -hmm. the purpose of um, my life story was for me to be in this point right here, right now, to be able to serve those who I need to serve. So mm-hmm. I don't really know um, what I would do differently. I think if anything, <clears throat> I would have started out with more um, started out with more confidence or started out yeah. with this is who I am. I know who I am and I can't let you shatter me. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. type of thing. So, so when you're faced with confidence issues, Tanya, how do you deal with them? Um really just that self-talk in regards to, I know you can do this. You are amazing. And then let me tell you the 50 reason why the 50 reasons as to why you can do this and really writing them out in regards to being able to combat that negative talk. You know, when I first came out with BRI, it didn't resonate with many people. So, uh, for the single moms, because I'm like, well, it's, it's, uh, the single moms, uh, who, who are older or the single moms who are mid-level careers. Um, when you say single mom, people automatically think that, you know, we are just like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it's a stereotype. It's a stereotype. It's a stigma that comes along with it. And so it's just like, no, my journey is to really be able to uplift. How can we give them the tools and the principles to be able to grow? Yeah. Thank you. And that's a really nice lead into something I want to talk to you about, because one of the things we started, we talk out off camera was that you had written about the five dilemmas yeah. that career moms face yeah. 
yeah. and how to navigate these dilemmas become successful. And we were talking about, I call it mature mothers, you know, because as I said, we had our children um, relatively early, relatively young. Um, in our 20s but we do know there are women having their children now they've had their careers first then they've had their children maybe in their 40s late 40s so that's 50 60 you're still wanting to having maybe having to work because you have to put your children through university so I was very keen to get your take on actually navigating some of that as a, as a professional single mother. So tell us about the five dilemmas you wrote about and, you know, and how we navigate those. Yeah. Especially with your perspective. Yeah. <laughs> so the five dilemmas is actually developed by Rappaport and Rappaport in 1969. They started this research. Uh, but of course, back then it was focused in on, on just one particular type of, uh, as women were entering the workforce, I'll put it yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. And so there's five different dilemmas that we deal with as working women. The first one being the overload dilemma. And mm -hmm. so the overload dilemma is that we have many responsibilities in the home. Mm -hmm. Even if we have someone who's in the home living with us, we still need to make sure that the kids get the daycare, that they have dinner, that they have lunch, the, the clothes are laid out, whatever your process is at home, yeah. we yeah. still have to ensure that it gets done when we get home. But then also we have a career that we are wanting to grow. And so oftentimes there's that, that tug of war, right? That we go through in regards mm -hmm. to what well, my home needs me, but my career needs me too, because I may have this big project that's on the line that's going to cause me to stay till 7 p.m., but my kid needs to be picked up at 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. You see that overlap there in regards to the overload dilemma. The second one is the normative, uh, the normative dilemma. And this really relates to asking yourself that question from the overload is, what do I want my commitment level to be to mm. my career? And that's kind of what we go go through, right? Um, even me right now for the for this dilemma is in regards to, okay, if I pull back, right, then will I have health insurance for my son as he's finishing out his years in college? If I pull back right now, as you mentioned, will I really be able to help him pay for his tuition, his rent, yeah. his food? Yeah everything yeah. else, you know? And so that's really what we focus in on with the normative dilemma in regards to what, what feels normal to us, right? Identity dilemma is really what we, it's what we go through in our mind in regards to really being able, society sees us as one way, yes. right? Yeah. Whatever, they, they'll look at you first, they'll see who you are, and then automatically, our brains automatically will descript a, uh, describe a story, mm, right? Mm. But it's really saying, well, that's not my identity. This is my identity. And really being able to play those two, uh, they kind of play against each other. But this is really a dilemma because when you're at work and you're trying to be that powerhouse, well, they may tell you, right, that you are uh, a mean girl, right? Mm -hmm. Or they may put some other descriptor there uh, in regards to when you're coming in as a woman and you're, you know, you're you're getting things in order. Well, that kind of messes with your identity yeah. because yeah. we're supposed to be soft or gentle, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So what is it that we are supposed to be? Or if you're a mom, you know, you may have other people who come in and say, well, why aren't you home more with your kids? Yeah, I always yeah, have to yeah. deal with that. Always yeah. have to deal with that. 
And so that's that's that um, third dilemma in which that we deal with. And then the next one is that, oh, the social network uh, dilemma. So this is that one where you may not fit in exactly at those social gatherings, um, where you may be, um, for example, for, for the for the older women, you may see other women who are starting to uh, either go into their next career or they're starting to retire or, you know, work less, mm -hmm. but you're still there having to still work and grind yeah. and do what it is that you need to do. So oftentimes this causes to a social dilemma in regards to, okay, what is our relationship or do I really fit in? And mm -hmm. how do I, how do I really best uh, navigate that? that situation. And really it's understanding what your boundaries are with each one of your friends or with mm -hmm. each one of your groups. Not everybody need to know all your business, right? <laughs> they don't need right to know true. everything. Yeah. They don't need to yeah. know your full story. You know, it's like, okay, here's my relationship with you. I talk with you about my career, right? Here's my relationship with you where it's just maybe on a social a social level where we go to the movies, we read books or, you know, do, do whatever, you know, and then you may have your, your uh, mom group or empty nester group. I feel like I need mm. to start an empty nester group or you may <laughs> have like an empty nester group to where they can understand because honestly, you know, I kind of go through this right now where out of my friend group, I'm the only one right now who's an empty nester. Yeah. They yeah. all have kids who are so much uh, younger. Yeah, much younger. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. we're all sitting there, you know, talking, have a good time. Yeah. I can't relate. I'm like, well, yes. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I know it well. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about you know the carpooling and uh, having issues, you know, with this teacher and that teacher. And I'm like, well, I don't even know who his teachers are, really, you yeah. know, type of thing. So that's the <laughs> that's the social dilemma. And then that last one is role cycling. Yeah. Uh, really uh, determining <laughs> when it's best to have a child. You know, um, if I have a child now, then that may delay uh, X, Y, and Z. If I wait to have a child, I may wait too long and then, you know, miss that window yeah. of opportunity. So it's really understanding uh, when do you want to cycle in yeah. to the next role and what does that look like for you uh, mm -hmm. for, the, for the role cycling. And so really to get through each one of these, it takes... Um, a, it takes a conversation mm -hmm. in regards to whoever the other parties may be involved. And really, I'm thinking with the overload dilemma. So yeah. um, as me, I was overloaded because I was a single mom. So yeah. I didn't really have yeah. anyone to, to bounce off of. However, as I mentioned, I had my village. Yeah. And so yeah. it was really being able to say, hey, I'm overwhelmed. I need some help. And yeah, yeah. really being able to make a schedule to be able to understand where is it that the gaps are, where is it that, you know, my son needs to be mm -hmm. uh, type of thing uh, mm -hmm. for it. And so mm -hmm. even now, you know, I still feel overloaded sometimes, but this is where uh, the most amazing word comes in. No, you know, yes, and, it's a yeah. full <laughs> and learning how to be able to say no so yeah. you don't get stuck into yeah. this um yeah. overload yeah. Uh, dilemma yeah and it's definitely a challenge because you know as you said one of the things you said there is that uh, where my career needs me and I'm not and I and I thought about my first thing I came to mind is well what I want from my career because I want a career I always used to tell people um 
that I didn't, I didn't, the label, we start getting labels, you're so-and-so's mom, you're yeah. so-and-so's wife, you're so-and-so's this. I'm like, but I'm an individual. I was, I had a personality, a lie. I am an individual before I had you and I'll continue. So I still have wants, not just needs. I have wants, yeah. you know, and, it, and it's not wrong to want that. And I think some of us sometimes have the challenge about I should want my children. And it's not about, you know, I should give all to my children, but I think then you're losing yourself. Completely agree. And I think that transition then become, and and as you get older, the the empty nesting, that becomes much more difficult because you've lost who you are. You've lost your identity or you've given all conversely to your career. And when you don't have that career, you've lost that identity. Yeah. You know? So there's a lot of chat. And these are things I end up dealing with, you know, with a lot of clients. It's like, well, who who am I really? Yeah. Without yeah. that, without those titles. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I, I agree. I really do agree. And how is it that you create your own title? Yes. You know, what, what, what title do, do you want to be called? And that's that whole becoming yes. in regards to what is it that you want to become, yeah. you know, because yeah. yeah. um, we do, we get wrapped up uh, into our kids. Their identity becomes our identity. Yes. You know? And I was, <laughs> I always tell people, I was known as that mom. Here comes that mom. <laughs> Cause I'm, I was always like changing policies. You know, You're one of those schools. moms. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I surely was. Um, and so, you know, when he left that, that part was kind of gone, you know, yeah, not yeah. everything was gone of who I yeah, am yeah. and who, who I was. Yeah. Um, but I definitely had to be able to say, I, I definitely had to kind of, um, for lack of a better word, like rebrand, right. Yeah. Or re reimagine let me use that yeah. reimagine of who it is that I am now yeah. yeah and and it's no and it's you know what there's no there's no shame in being that mom I was that mom I actually <laughs> I went on to the school cat I I became a school governor because yeah. I was one of those moms to yeah. get those things changed yep. you know Same so here. <laughs> Thing, I was on the nothing wrong though, those moms As, yeah writing the writing was on the wall you know <laughs> The writing was on the wall. And as you yeah. said, and, you know, and back then it was like having the career. I, I, I had my career. I became a CEO in my fifties. I hit the C-suite in my fifties. So there's nothing to stop you just because you have that hiccup early on yes. in life. Yes. Doesn't mean that you cannot succeed later. I'm going to stop blanging the table. Doesn't mean that you can't succeed later yeah. on. You just mm -hmm. need to do a little bit of rearranging sometimes. And as you said, and is that still your desire? Yes. Yeah. Because that was my desire back when I was in my absolutely, 20, you know? absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That is no longer my desire in my almost sixties. No, like okay. that's why, which is why I stopped. Mm. I stopped. I stopped being. I didn't want to do that anymore. That wasn't. I. I stopped and said, mm, "It's not for me." And your values that you had in your twenties and thirties. Different. Dare I say it shouldn't be what they what they they shouldn't be that in the fifties. It's different. It's much much different, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely that's definitely okay. Yeah, yeah. I need to get off my soapbox a little there, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm with. It. I'm like, yeah, let's go ahead. <laughs> so, Tanya, we're coming down to our last few our last few oh. questions. Okay. So, what would be your best career advice for other women at midlife? 
uh, really to just do, right? Um, To really be able to think about what it is that you want to do, reflect upon it, and then be able to act on it. You know, to not let that fear and not let the voices in our head deter us. And not even the voices in our head, right? The voices who are on the outside too. Because you're always going to have those people who may not be as passionate about your dream as you are. But that's why you're your best advocate at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. And what are the three things that you've learned about yourself during your career? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> look, I, an idea. I, one of the three things is that I'm resilient. Yeah. Um, that I can, I have the ability to be able to uh, bounce back, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from bad situations. Um, I think the other thing that I learned about myself is that I, that my leadership style fits into uh servant leadership right. is that i i have a passion to to serve to help others to support others mm-hmm. um it's not about all that i can get you know it's truly about being able to see how can how can i uh pull you up or how can i be able to walk alongside of you whatever that may look like so we could become more powerful uh together you know, yeah. there's the power in we. And then I believe the third thing is that um, <laughs> a lot of people talk. So I I always tell, you know, when I'm at work, I'm like, oh, I got an idea. And everybody's like, oh, no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. And I'm all excited about it. But I really learned about myself. Like, I don't think like others. You know, I like thinking yeah. outside of the box. I, yeah. I equally have an analytical mind and a creative mind. And mm-hmm. oftentimes uh, those two combined kind of create uh, different types of um, different types of entities, different types of events. And so that's that's really what I learned about myself. Fabulous. Fabulous. I love that. I love yeah. that. And so now you're an empty nester, Tanya. Where would we find you typically on a Saturday morning at 10 a.m.? So typically right now you'll find me at the library writing papers, trying to to get done with this uh, PhD. Uh, And then afterwards, normally I I run. So I like to train for half marathons uh, here. So Saturday mornings are usually my my time uh, to myself to run and, and reflect. Yeah. Fabulous. 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 And my last question is what does success feel like to you, Tanya? Success feels like joy. Yeah. Uh, It feels like accomplishment. Um, It feels like, you know, my heart's getting fluttery right now. It's just a, a good feeling, you know, and success is different for everyone, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, my success would, would truly bring me joy, uh, in regards to being able to, to see other women rise, to be able to continue helping, uh, you know, our group at, at work for under, underutilized businesses. So that's, that's success to me is when they succeed. Fabulous. Fabulous. And if people want to connect with you and know more about what you do, where can they find you? They can find me on our website at www.butterflyrisinginstitute.com. 
They can also like us on Facebook at um, Butterfly Rising Institute or on Instagram at BTRfly underscore rise. Excellent. I'll be sure to put all the links in the show notes. So Tanya, that was my last question. Thank you so much for being my guest on This Woman Can. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome.